So I began a series a week before last entitled Resident God. Resident God. Uh, the series is for you and I to have a greater understanding about the person and the activity of the Holy Spirit. This is a series about the Holy Spirit, who, who He is as a person and what His activity is today. I have some good news for us. When we begin in, in the Old Testament in Genesis, and I'll take you through some steps, progressing all the way to where we are today, the desire of God for all the millennia that humanity's been on this planet is to be a resident God, to live with us in a way that, that's greater than religion can offer. For God not only to be with us, for God to be in us. And can I tell you right now that you are living in a time that's greater than any time in the Old Testament. You're living at a time that's even greater, according to Jesus, than when he walked on the earth. As a Christian, you and I are living in a season where Jesus said the least of those in his kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, who he said is the greatest of all that came before him. That's what the Bible says. You and I... Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because of what He's doing in our lives, because of the relationship that we have, have an access to God, a relationship with God that we may not fully understand, that is absolutely greater than we can ask or imagine. And so we're learning how to walk through this. What does it mean to have a resident God? Remember we looked at this that uh, uh, in, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Godhead, the, the person of the Godhead that was hands-on was God the Father. You understand in the Garden of Eden, he created this place to dwell with Adam and Eve, but they sinned and were, were out of the garden. And from that time forward, God said, I still want to dwell with you. I want to be a resident God. And so they built the tabernacle and God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And although God was near them, that was as close as he could come in that covenant. He wanted to be close, but still he was separated to a degree. And then Jesus came. And he took on our flesh. You remember I read from you for you two weeks ago from the message translation of John chapter 1. And the Bible says in John 1, 14, that he took on our flesh and blood. He put on our flesh, put on our human skin, our flesh suit. And he was God on the inside. And it said he took on our flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, as the, the message translation says. So God that was behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies now put on our humanity, and walked right into our lives. It was an amazing time. For three and a half years, the disciples saw him and walked with him and, and witnessed the miracles, and everyone that got close to him could see God's power. Do you know, time and again in the Gospels we read, and he healed all their diseases. Can you imagine what it was like for the dead to be raised for every single sick person that could be close to him? They were healed, no matter how serious and severe the disease and on and on it goes. We got to see God. We got a glimpse of what he was like. We saw him forgive and heal and restore and rebuke the religious. We saw God. But then Jesus told the disciples, shockingly, I know what we have has been wonderful. But he told them in the upper room at the Last Supper before he was arrested and crucified, he said, there's something better than me walking with you like this. He said, it's for your good that I'm going away. And they were shocked. They said, where are you going and how do we get there? He said, listen. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And how I've been walking beside you, he's going to move inside you. And that's been the plan of God, that God would be resident, that God would not just be with us, but that God would be where? Inside us. 
that he would be resident in us. And so we, we see this moving. We see this happening, that God has been moving intentionally, faithfully from the beginning of time to this dispensation where God could live in us. So what I want to show you today in just the few moments we have, what I want you to see is there is a word connected with the work of the Holy Spirit. There is an activity of the Holy Spirit that He alone can accomplish. And it has everything to do with understanding the impact of God living in us. The word is restoration. Let me hear you say restoration. Restoration. The word restoration or restore is a work unique to the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit of God has the assignment to bring restoration in our life. Now, I, I'm not talking about outer things. I want you to think about what's going on inside of you today. Now, let me help you. If you open the dictionary and you read the definition of restoration, you'll find this, to reestablish to the original condition. The, 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 the dictionary definition to restore means to reestablish to an original condition. We use that word with furniture, don't we? Find an old piece of furniture. It was once a beautiful work, and it was uh, made out of wood and stained. You can see the wood grain is beautiful. And somewhere along the way, somebody said, you know, we need to paint this ugly lime green. And they did that. Somebody thought that was better. Then another person got in and said, I don't like lime green. Let's paint it pastel blue. And maybe they put it in a nursery. And then, you know, we, it just kept passing down through the family, and, and, and then it got into the 60s, and, and their, the hippies got it and painted flowers all over it. And, and then you found it in a garage sale, and you looked at that thing, and you said, you know, I think there's more to this furniture than what this thing looks like right now. So you bought it, and why did you buy it? Because you said, I'm going to, no, I've never done this because I don't have the patience, all right? I would rather buy something new than restore something old. Sorry. Aren't you glad I'm not the Holy Spirit? Everybody say, amen. Amen. See, I don't have patience for that. And so, but somebody that's smart and wise and patient bought it and said, I'm going to restore this. And what did they do? They began to what? Get those old layers of ugly paint off, right? And get it back down. And the best you can do when you restore something is what? Re-establish its original condition, right? That's, biblic, that, that's definition, dictionary to restore. And that seems like a good thing. But when you read in Scripture, when you begin to look at the work of the Holy Spirit, when you look at the biblical definition of restoration, it doesn't stop where the dictionary stops. Amen. The dictionary says we reestablish the original condition. But in Scripture, when God restores, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, listen, stay with me, it's important that you get this. When the Holy Spirit begins to restore, every time God restores, something grows. Something multiplies. Something is improved. Listen. So that the final condition is superior to the original one. Biblical restoration means that when God restores, it's better than it ever was. Now, how many are thankful today sitting in this room that we have access to the Holy Spirit who is resident in us as a believer and God will take your life no matter what has happened no matter where you failed, no matter how you've blown it, no matter what you've walked through, no matter the brokenness in your life and those around you, when the Holy Spirit begins to restore you, God will make your life better than it ever was before you met him. How many are thankful for that today? I hear a lot of people look at someone and say, 
it'll never be the same again. How many have ever heard that said? You go through a tragedy and you say, it'll never be the same again. You go through a loss and someone looks at you and says, you're never going to be the same again. You'll never be as happy again. You'll never be as fulfilled again. It will never be the same. You see, all man can do is take the broken pieces and try to put it back together. But we can never do what the work of the Holy Spirit will do. I won't go through the whole story. I don't have time. But as a, as a young boy in my home one day, my mother and father were gone. I was home by myself. Uh, children do things when they're home by themselves, especially boys. And although I had rules, I decided since nobody was there, I was going to be creative. That's what I call it. I wasn't disobedient. I was creative. And so uh, one of the things we didn't do was kick the football in the house. However, I felt I was so accomplished with kicking the football that it was safe for me to kick the ball in the house. And so I kicked the football. And I kicked it where I originally intended to kick it. However, I didn't uh, allow for the bounce after it hit the spot. And I kicked it and it hit and it bounced and broke a vase on my mother's shelf. Being the boy I was, why should I bother my mother and hurt her? I ran and got Elmer's glue and feverishly put the vase back together again. It wasn't because I was selfish. I just didn't want to hurt my mother. You understand completely. Everybody, you feel me right now, don't you? See, And so um, I felt that maybe I had dodged a bullet and everything was going to be okay because mom came in and everything looked fine. But my mother had this crazy habit called cleaning the house. Some people don't do that anymore. Uh, but my mother cleaned the house. Part of her cleaning was dusting all the shelves and everything. So the day came, I said, dear God, mom's cleaning the house. And she discovered the vase. Well, uh, again, being the honest child I was, I've been saved since then, so you can relax. Uh, I, I, uh, when my mom noticed what had happened, she didn't call my dad's name. She didn't yell my sister's name. I don't know why, but she yelled my name first. George! Don't you hate it? You knew when mom wasn't calling you to dinner. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? So I came and mom says, look at my vase. Now, when you're a crook, you learn not to rat yourself out, see? So I was a young crook and, and, and I looked at the vase and see, you don't tell on yourself. Don't give in. Look, don't, don't, you know. So I said, yes, ma'am. I wasn't about to say anything. I thought maybe she just was looking at the vase. Who knows? You know, there was a 1% chance. Look at the vase. Yes, ma'am. What do you see? What do you see? I mean, you don't, don't, don't bust yourself. I mean, who knows? Got that 1% chance. What do you see, mom? George? Well, um, who broke this vase? I don't. And then she asked a question, you know. Do you have anything to do with this? I said, would you read me my rights so I can call a lawyer in so that I won't say anything to incriminate myself at this point? You know, could be held against me in a court of law. Uh, yeah, Mom, I had an accident. Why didn't you tell me? You know, why didn't, why did I get caught? Because the best you can do when something's broken is try to restore it. But it's never going to be like it was because the pieces are broken. And the glue shows and this piece is missing. Anybody with me right now? And you know, that's what we do to our lives. And we're as naive as I was as a young boy. To think my mother wasn't going to find it. 
And here our lives are broken and messed up and patched back together. And we want to walk around and ignore it and act like everything's just fine. Come on, you know it's broken. Everybody knows it's broken. You know that's why you act the way you act and react the way we react and talk the way we talk and do what we do. And we think if we just put a little glue on us, it's going to be okay. We're broken. No matter how we cover it or paint it, or layer it, or ignore it, or lie about it, or pretend it didn't happen, or try to blame somebody else. The point is, life will break you. And the only solution is this great and glorious God who loves us so much that he gave his son to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to become our Savior, so that he can so cleanse us that the very Spirit of God would move inside of us and take up residence, and God would do what? Begin to restore us. Restore us. Absolutely amazing. Look, look at Genesis 1:26 with me. To restore means something was in a better condition, and something happened... And it needs some attention. What are we being restored to? The Holy Spirit is living in us to restore us. We can't restore us. The best we do is put the broken pieces together. We do not need broken pieces. We need a new beginning. How many can say amen to that? How many are thankful God says, let's just start over? Are you pleased and thankful that God says, let's just start over? Genesis 1.26. So what was the original plan? Then God said, let us make man in our image, in the image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, the, all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them in his image. Can I help you with something today? You're not broken goods. You're not damaged goods. You're not unredeemable. You're not irreparable. Amen. You're not different than someone else. Your ceiling is as high as anyone else. Your limits are unlimited. Why? Because you were created in the image and likeness of God. The relationship struggles, the life struggles, the hang-ups, the addictions, the fears, the lies, the things that grope us and grab us, I want you to understand today, that was not the original creation of God. Let me go further than that. I can tell you today, I have some good news for you. God's not mad at you today. God's not out to get you today. God hasn't given up on you today. God hasn't left you. God created Adam and Eve and blessed them and put them in his image and likeness. And they walked with him in the cool of the day. And he resided with them in a garden. And he called them by name. And they knew his voice. And they walked along with him. I want you to hear me today. You can know God. You can walk with God. You can be close to God. God has a plan for your life. Can somebody say amen to that? He created us in his image and likeness to know him. To be with him. He's a resident God. And the first thing he does in verse 28. God blessed them, and said to them, be fruitful, increase, subdue, rule, have authority. The very first thing, are you ready? Do you know what God did when he looked at mankind? He blessed us. Before we earned it, he blessed us. Before we worked for it, he blessed us. Some of us have never known that kind of love. We've never known the unconditional love. All we've known is, I love you if, I love you when, I love you because, I love you until. Unless you do this, unless you do that. If you love me, you'll do that. He blessed you. He blessed us before we ever began. Amen. 
It was a place where God resided with Adam and Eve. But you know what happened? There was a temptation. And they looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to hear me today. Every one of us in this room, everyone on this planet has been given a free will. The ability to choose and decide. And what our life is today, I want you to listen to me very clearly. Who you are and who I am today is a result of the choices that you and I have made. Are we impacted by the choices others make? Absolutely. But your choice before God is the strongest choice that will ever impact your life. Do you know that Dr. James Dobson, Dobson, a great clinical Christian psychologist, says this. Life is only 10% of what you do to me and 90% how I choose to respond. I want to say that again because we're taught the opposite of that in our culture. We're We're taught a victimization. We're taught a fatalism. I am who I am because of what everybody else has done. I am what I am because of things I have no control over. I want to tell you again. Life's only 10% what everybody does to me. So let's quit worrying about the 10%. Amen. Let's quit talking about the 10%. Everybody listen to me? Yeah. Let's quit making support groups about the 10%. Come on, don't shout me down. Let's, let's quit getting our identity by the 10%. Amen. Let's stop being 10 percenters. Let's stop finding an excuse to lose and to be bound. And let's start working on the 90%. You did what you did, but God did what he did. You chose, but I choose. You made a choice, but I have another choice. And my God is working in me to restore everything you broke in me. If you have the worst parents on the face of the planet, the worst parents on the face of the planet, rejected, neglected. They didn't do one thing for you. In fact, they hurt you. Can I give you some good news? God has such a plan for you above their failure that you ought to be thankful they birthed you on this planet and got out of the way so God could do what he wanted to do and bless you and heal you and restore you. Restoration. See, God looked at the incredible dysfunction and abuse and pain of our lives and said, you know, they need some help. They need some help. And you know what God did? He said, I want to heal them, change them, deliver them, free them. But we need to do something first. So Jesus dies on the cross in our place, forgives us of our sins, puts us in a position where God says, okay, I got it. Now, Holy Spirit, let's move in. Man, did he move in a raggedy old house? Come on, let's be honest. Don't raise your hand and don't point at people. (laughs) But was the inside of your place a wreck the first day God moved in? You remember the day you got saved? Woo, did anybody bring some baggage to the altar? (laughs) Did anybody bring some chaos to God? Did anybody bring some things you hope nobody ever saw, knew, thought about, wanted to see? I remember growing up in church, I was a little active kid. We didn't have... Children's church, you know, I got spanked every other week. It's a wonder that, that I came back to church. I mean, I, we didn't have children's church. I just stayed in church with ADD. I didn't take rhythm. I got whipping. And I got whipped almost every day. I just got a dose. Some mornings I just got up and gave my dad the belt. Here, can we just get this over with today? Because, you know, sometime it's going to happen. But they talked about the great white throne judgment. They talked about all your sins going to be in there. I thought, dear God. You mean someday everything I've ever done, they're going to put it on a drive-in movie theater and my mother and my dad and my family, my teachers are going to see everything. That's, that's all I got out of it. And I thought, this is going to be bad. This is really going to be bad. The B.C. days before Christ. Then I realized that's only for those that don't know the Lord. Hallelujah. How many are thankful that he got inside and wiped down some things and cleaned the slate and erased your sins and said, Holy Spirit, 
They need you to move in and do some restoration. So here's what I want to say uh, as we kind of bring this thing. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, Acts the second chapter. So we go forward. Adam and Eve blew it. And, and think about this. What was the greatest loss they had? The presence of God. They were put out of the garden. What happened? The resident God was now estranged from them. See, the whole plan of God to live with us, be with us, was sidetracked in their life because they said, God, I know you have a plan, but we want to do it our way. We're going to eat the tree of knowledge and good and evil. We've got a free will, and we choose to put our way above your way. And it broke their residence. They had to move out. It changed the plan God had for them. So we go to the book of the prophet Joel, and Joel said, there's a day coming. Come on, listen. God had a promise. Keep us moving forward. This resident God said, there's a day coming. When God, here's the word, God's going to restore everything the enemy ever tore out of your life. And that day of restoration is going to happen when the Holy Spirit begins to be outpoured. Has the devil ever robbed you of any years in your life? Anybody ever had some years you wish you had back? Anybody have some days you wish you had back? Anybody have any dollars you wish you had back? Come on. Anybody have any actions you wish you had back, things you walked through? Do you know what the Bible says? God is such a mighty God that when the Holy Spirit goes to work in your life, are you ready? God's going to begin to restore the years the enemy has stolen away from you. Joel said the day is coming where it's coming back. It's coming back. Hey, Chris Cody, wave at me from the back row right there. Listen, you talk about a big week. He got his first grandchild this week. Look at him. I'm bragging, bragging, bragging. But guess what else? Mom grew up in a hard time under a lot of pressure, and there was a son born in the family. And uh, mom didn't know what to do under pressure from others, and she, the little boy was adopted. He had a brother, but he never met the brother, never knew him, wondered where he was, you know, kind of that peace he wanted to put together. And the same week he gets his first grandchild, the brother he never met works through the process and contacts his brother. And so the brother he never had been restored to him after 50 years back into his life. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with somebody praising God for restoration. In fact, I wonder why we don't praise him more for restoration. You know, we're the coolest, calmest people on the planet. I'm about to read about us. So, so we're in Acts chapter 2. How many have that? And so Joel said, look, I'm going to restore you when the Holy Spirit begins to be outpoured. Everything. The devil stole away from you. Somebody say everything. How many want everything back? I don't want some of it. I want all of it back. In fact, do you know in the Old Testament, listen to this, restoration. When somebody stole your sheep in the Old Testament and you caught that rascal with your sheep, he not only had to bring your sheep back, he had to bring five more to pay for back. Listen, when God rests the thief that's been still in your life, you get interest paid on all those years that he's been working on you. I, right now, I'm ready. Come on, God, restore every day, every year, every month, every opportunity, and make the devil pay me some interest forever bother me again. You know, finally, the devil may want to leave you in your house alone. When he's got to pay back like that. So Joel said the day's coming when the Holy Spirit's outpoured that this resonant God will be able to do what his plan has always been. Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them. How many of them? 
all of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Someone say, this Wednesday night. night. Oh, you didn't get it. Let's try it one more time. Come on, say it. This Wednesday night at Calvary. There you go. So, this incredible anointing, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they're praying and worshiping God in tongues. These people gather around them. Watch this. All they knew was old dead religion, ritual, ceremony, pomp and circumstance. And they looked at these guys. Look at verse 14. They're, they're, they're making fun of them. In verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. They're saying, what's going on here? He said, oh, let me tell you. But he says, first of all, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, I don't have time to work on this. But what happened to the joy and the celebration of God's people? Huh? You know, we, we thought God's favorite verse is be still and know that I'm God. Huh? We, you know, you go to church and somebody excited and praises God. And we're like, oh. In fact, most church under the day, <laughs> in fact, I was in a church. And somebody just was touched by the Holy Spirit, stood up and began to praise God. And somebody said, I think it's a demon. When you don't know the Holy Spirit from a demon, you haven't had much encounter with the Holy Spirit. Come on. When did we think the only people know how to party are people out here in this world? I want to ask it again. Come on, y'all, you're looking at me funny. Why do we get, why are the only ones who want to party? Remember that Eddie James songs? Ain't no party. Like a Holy Ghost party. Because a Holy Ghost party... Don't stop. Come on now. Come on, work with me. Take off that religious look. Quit scowling. You already said. Ain't no, come say it. Ain't no party. Like the Holy Ghost party. Because the Holy Ghost party, if we do it one more time, I might have to break dance right now, but I'm going to stop. That's already out of style, I know, so I don't know what you do now. If I break dance, I'd break something. That's what mine would be if something gets broke. Listen, the joy of this. The reality, God restored me. God has entered my life. The resident God who all my life, I was told God was against me. And if I got close to his presence, I would die. And I've discovered through the son, Jesus Christ, that God doesn't want to kill me. God doesn't want to slay me. God is not against me. God wants to live inside of me. And joy exploded in that place. And then what did he do? Look, verse 16. This is what you've spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is what God promised. And how does restoration come? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Restoration is the work of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? And by the way, I don't have time to argue your theology, but look at this verse, uh, 18 again. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Men and women will prophesy. If women can't speak in church, how are they going to prophesy? Anyway, I just thought I'd leave that with you today, let you see on that this afternoon. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, that his plan is not just to come upon us, but to live within us? That every person that accepts Christ as their Savior has the opportunity to do that. I want to read this last verse, and this is the last one of the day. Put up Acts chapter 3, if you would. Look at this this terminology. 
How do we access the restoration of the Holy Spirit? What does it say? Read those first two words. Okay? Join Pastor Emilio. Read the first two words to me. What do they say? How do I come into restoration? Repent then. And what? Turn. Do you know repentance does not mean I'm sorry? Has anybody ever done something that hurt you and said I'm sorry and it's like, eh. Saying you're sorry doesn't change what you did. I mean, it's better. I, I guess you got to start somewhere to, but repenting as a Christian doesn't mean, God, I'm sorry I got caught. I hope I don't pay the price. Repentance as a Christian means one thing, and it's right there. The biblical term to repent means I did this. I've been walking over here in this direction, and I've turned and walked back the other way. I can say it. I can pray it. I can talk about it. I can think about it. I can claim it. I can lie to the pastor and slip in and get baptized in water when I'm not saved, say that I have. But until I turn, I haven't repented. Anybody with me? Okay, watch this. Repent then and turn to God. What happens so that your God goes into that messy house we're in and begins to cleanse it? Are you with me? Thank God. And then what happens? Well, when that happens, times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Look at verse 20. Watch this. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Verse 21, and we're done. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to do what? To do what? To restore what? To restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophet. Do you realize that God has worked in our lives and in his dealing with man and the person and the activity of the Holy Spirit to bring you to a point in your life that when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and begins to restore you until you are better than you were before, until everything we ever lost, God has restored with something better in its place. That's the God we serve today. I want you to stand with me. I want our musicians to come. Let's stand together this morning. I got so much more to share with you. I'll pick this up next Sunday. How many are thankful that God will work in us until he's restored everything the enemy's ever broken? I'm thankful for that. Can I help you? It may not happen in a day. How many heard what I just said? may not happen in a day. He's going to go to work in us. Can I give you some really good news? You're under construction right now. Some really good news. You know that person that's next to you? I want you to look at them right now. Take a look. You know what's really good? God's not through with them yet. <laughs> Is that encouraging? God's not through with them yet. You know that uh, it wasn't a fight. It was a talking point you and your spouse had this week. God's not through with them. God's not through with them yet. God's not through with them yet. God's not through with them yet. Aren't you thankful for that? God's not through with them yet. How do you want somebody to look at you? Hang in here. God's not through with me yet. He's restoring everything. 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 That's the God we serve. No matter how broken your life is, God's willing to step in. No matter how destroyed your family, dysfunction, heartache, abuse, God will move in and heal you where you're broken. Free you where you're bound. Fill you with his presence so that restoration can happen. Restoration is a work of the Holy Spirit. It never begins until he enters my life. I'm thankful for, for any kind of assistance that's offered to people that are struggling with problems. But restoration, the opportunity for your life to be better than it ever was, only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit.